Hello and uh, welcome to another 10 years. I'm Aaron Dugan, uh, joined with uh, Michael Wood. Hello Michael. Yes, hello Aaron. Uh, a ple- pleasure to be in your presence once again. Obviously, uh, we're here to talk about Dunfermline in this one and uh, also they're, they're doing very well uh, so far in the, in the league despite the fact that they, they ran scared the Falkirk with a, uh, with a frozen pitch. <laughs> yes, even though Dunfermline had all their players back, uh, everything was in place for, a, once again, a Falkirk demolition. Somehow those uh, boys from Grange have got in their minds that somehow Dunfermline would run scared from a team who have been struggling against the likes of Clyde's your Airdrie's and your Alwas and we'd uh, shit ourselves once, once again against a lot of our former players and so uh, uh, you've, got, you've got to hold on to the little victories <laughs> when you're a wee team like that <laughs> so uh, obviously um, uh, obviously uh, being serious for a second there so you see, you've done very well uh, kind of as, as, as well as you'd want to be doing the right now yeah I think the fact that you have to nitpick to find kind of examples of where Dunfermline are maybe not excelling and that was kind of excused it was always in the home form they probably weren't scoring enough goals only scored once in the first half of the first nine league games and considering even when good times and bads in recent periods it's always been the have been excellent at home um, considering the family only scored once in nine first halves was a, a bit of a worry but considering they got to, out to a faster against Peterhead who are obviously the worst team in the division at the moment uh, quelled all those fears and Dunfermline well, it sounds arrogant, they need to be given cuffings to teams like Peterhead, Clyde, Queen of the South and Kelly when they come to visit East End Park. That's what champions are made of. Uh, Cove, for example, won 13 games at home, uh, were unbeaten in the R5, uh, and they scored 43 goals in the process. They need to score goals, and that will just propel us further out of the distance to you. I think it's only Falkirk. I think Edinburgh will drop back into the pack. I think the only serious contender to challenge Dunfermline for a return to the championship is Falkirk, um, because we still have those two games out, outstanding against them. But that's the only fear I have of uh, Dunfermline failing to reach the expectations. And as we've seen in recent past, if you get caught in the League One cycle, such as Falkirk have at the moment, Rafe Rovers, Air, and you're a full-time team, yeah, it, it can be it can be quite hazardous to your to your future potential. But I think Dunfermline do have enough in the tank because of the manager that they'll. They'll kind of glide towards League One title. And as I was saying, this is uh, obviously um, two different styles for the last thing you were in uh, in League One. As as well, obviously I had a couple of styles in the, the first time, but uh, from from the kind of high flying uh, kind builders and the, the part time teams with uh, with um, Alan Johnson. Johnson to to the kind of more moderate kind of just getting the job done with uh, James McPeak. You feel that. Uh, I have seen murmurings from from Dunfermline fans that they aren't overly happy with with the way that things have gone. Do you think that's say maybe a bit of a kind of a bit of a hangover from from the the Johnson era to 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 make peaks more um, pragmatic approach. pragmatic approach? Yeah, I think when you look at the fact that Dunfermline, like you said, were blown away teams, they could concede the first goal. Uh, I think I remember a game against Stranraer or Brecon where they conceded the first goal and then just bulldoze a 5-1 victory out of them. That was a team that you never felt Dunfermline were in fear of uh, losing a game. Whereas, just now at the moment, and maybe it's me growing older in age, learning a bit more about football, uh, taking everything into consideration that unless Dunfermline are clearing out of sight, as they were uh, against the previous game against Peterhead when they come to come to the city, 
when they're two up, three minutes left, cruising, and still managed to draw two two against, as I said before, the worst team in the in the league, and probably the worst team in League One for quite a number of years as well. It never feels like in a situation with McPeak that you are about to lose a game, but it never feels like you're about to blow a team away, and I think that's the the only kind of issue of it. And that, but I think that comes down to more of a entertainment value rather than an actual analytical kind of thoughtful view of football. You want it to be entertained and Alan Johnson's team is the most entertaining past team I've seen. While it's the third tier of Scottish football, I think even though you took in a few games, it's hard to argue a more value for money team than the no, one. No, no, not at team. all. Like, that's just also the... Uh, the Darren Dodd's going down injured after five minutes. Because <laughs> 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 he didn't want to play back too, for example. <laughs> I think, um, also, uh, James McPeak was... Um, Perhaps not the the most uh, probably most well received well, well, well received uh, of of the manager choices that he's had. Um, obviously, took Dundee up to the Premiership with a came with a team that was though his own probably weren't seen to be uh, kind of hit form at the right time. Uh, he hit, hit form at the right time. Also, late goal by them. I, I've always said that it was a bit. Uh, For Marcus McGee. Since, since, well, since, since I've always thought it was a bit um, rotten that they that, that they let him go, and that's certainly not a team that was meant to to stay up in in, in the Premiership at the time. Uh, do you think that he's he's brought this kind of uh, kind of building building blocks into the team that maybe uh, Johnson didn't also uh, watching the. Don't go for League One to the Championship and then struggling. I think what you see about Peck is he did, he's not brought on a lot of players in permanent contracts. <clears throat> he's dealt with a lot of the guys that are already there and maybe nurtured some of the youngsters back into the team or give them consistent first team minutes. So Dorans goes in after the transfer window's closed. He's not picked up another team. Uh, I guess by all intents and purposes, he's kind of retired, which is fair enough. Um, so he's brought Matty Todd more into the starting eleven. Now Matty Todd scored seven goals in all competitions. Some of them screamers, some of them halfway uh, from halfway out. He looks like a player now who can progress and earn Dunfermline money because he's on a longer term contract. And I think Dunfermline's been smart in the recent off season with tying the younger con uh, younger boys to longer term contracts. That seals the value for Dunfermline to sell them on. So I think Dunfermline last big. Sale was Kevin Nisbet. Even then, that's a player that the club inherited from uh, Ray Fulbers. And obviously, we see what he's doing in the Premiership now. He's a fantastic striker, probably going to add to his 10 Scotland caps. So, I think there's more long term thinking with Dumfrey Allen rather than the up and out attitudes of uh, Peter Grant and um, John Hughes, who are by all effect are snake oil assessment. They talk a big game, but they have nothing to show for it underneath. McPeak's very pragmatic, very feet on the ground, and I think that plays out in his football slightly, which is why maybe fans aren't taken to him because it's not quite as swashbuckling as maybe some would like in this division when you expect a full time team to be. But I think you just, you just have to be very happy with, well, people within our own organisation here were sceptical of McPeak, and that was one of them as well, just because you think, well, he kind of inherited a position of power at Dundee, um, kind of sneaked in in the back door to the Premiership. Uh, didn't embarrass himself by any means, but was obviously seen fit to let go. It wasn't a well-known quantity of what you were getting and what you were going to take forward in this season, but considering the player played twenty odd games and only lost two, one to Premiership Ross County, 
it's hard to argue that. <laughs> like I said, it's very hard to argue for somebody like me who always likes to nitpick a, a negative or a perceived negative going forward for the rest of the season, which is only going to be 16 other games. As he um, says, uh, going, going on to that, like, he says, uh, Dunfermline uh, also haven't really done too much in the transfer window in January, and that says, uh, you were saying yourself that they, you don't see it as a, uh, you don't actually see yourself needing anybody. I think it's more so that, like, Pete has to evaluate the squad as a whole, look at the players out of contract this season, which is, there's a number of starters, of course, that are going to be out of contract with Josh Edwards, who I think is going to be extremely hard to keep hold of because I think he's an excellent fullback. I think he can do a job for maybe not the city teams in the Premiership, but certainly like a team like Aurora Kilmark or Aurora County. I think he's he's that valuable an asset for a team like Dumfrieland. Um, so it's just a case of maybe more so looking forward towards the future. And if you can secure pre-contracts for next season in the Championship, I think that's more so something to look forward to. Um, if you have to plug gaps more so than bringing in an all ace because maybe something like Robbie Manning hasn't quite worked out he's not got the game time that he maybe he perceived he would get or McPake thought he would get because he's one of the, the few wingers actual pure wingers in the team so I think it's just a case it's a, just a case of seeing off maybe gaps in the team at the moment but again like I said the, the teams will function that well it's hard to see any gaps He's inherited the defence that included Ross Breen, who wasn't getting a game last season under Grant or Hughes. He's one of the most key features of this team at the moment. He's brought in Sam Fisher, who knows a Dundee on loan. Plugged him right in, looked spectacular as he kind of grew into the games. Uh, Benedictus, who knew from his time actually playing with Dundee. And it's like, it's like that, it's, it's like small decisions that he's actually made in terms of, he's only signed two players on a permanent contract. One of them was definitely a club signing, Chris Hamilton, who's a supporter of Dunfermline, and Benedictus. And Benedictus has been playing this season, so you can't you can't argue that anything that McBake's done outside of maybe the few tactical errors, which you expect with any manager, it's been uh, it has been truly exceptional this season. Now I think uh, part of the part of what's made McPeak really stand out is uh, his honesty as well. This is um, also okay, we were talking about the in, in the group uh, in the podcast group chat. We were talking about uh, the 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 Q and A, and uh, he had come out and said that he made mistakes at Kelty and that. And also that's that's very uh, it's very rare for a for a for a, a manager to come out and say that he actually got it wrong like uh, so. Yeah, especially when you look at, um, he's been up and goal a few times, um, I think that's when he was just out of the job at Dundee, and he spoke about his time as a professional more so, and then as a kind of manager growing into it, so I think he like car scoping with a lot of the boys, he would go into manager at Dundee, and he was like, well, it's one situation where I'm, a, I'm an experienced player by all accounts, and having a carry on with the car, uh, with the boys, Boys, but now I'm manager, so I've got to try and transition this period. And I like it must be very hard when you get any promotion at a job as well, um, when you're surrounded by your peers, and then it develops into a situation where now you've got to manage them. Um, so I think obviously there's there's a, there's always a learning period. Just because he's a manager doesn't mean you get, you get everything right. Once so, uh, like you said, he made he made mistakes. He's all done. Mm-hmm. I don't think you would have seen that with a John Hughes. 
or appear again. John Hughes fam- who famously um, blamed Sai when Rafe Rovers got relegated. It's somebody else's same. problem. I don't think McPeak ever owns up to the fact that it's anybody else's problem than himself. No, he's, he's, he, he's always come out very, very honest and, and uh, on that, says, uh, you look at the, the merry-go-round in Scotland and uh, obviously I think a lot of uh, fans thought that, that McPeak might have been on that. Can they, also, they, they, probably the, the highest profile job that you could have got Really, Don Fairman. Says, but um, when you look at it, I always mind. I can't mind who has said about it. I says, I think it might have been Ranieri. Says about Italian managers and the fact that they they just like bounce around and mm-hmm. that's how they can say it doesn't matter how many times they bounce around, they just learn from their Says until they until they can they get a bit of. Well, uh, yeah, I mean to add on to that, um, yeah. like you said, the James Horncastle who famously writes about Italian football is like they're always retaining like a Gardner League contract, much mm-hmm. like Alan McCoy's at Rangers. So it's like. If you get sacked at Sampdoria, next week they can ask you back. They've still they've still own your contract. Ah. So like like you said, like, it is a very much a very ground of you seen Italian managers with a <laughs> like a long list of Italian clubs because you're right they just get bounced around the place. And Scottish football is not quite bad to that extent, but you do like you do see you do see the old familiar faces. I think it's slowly getting faced yeah. out with the fact that even though Mark McGee did replace my Dundee. You're not seeing the Mark McGee going to pop up in our Scottish well, club in recent times. Well, I always think that it's also, um, can, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a believer in what the Italians done. It's, 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 uh, especially with young managers. I'm not talking about your Mark McGee's and that, says, but you can, your young managers have to make mistakes. And it's yeah. your Mick Peaks of, again, he, he made mistakes at Dundee, got them up though, and obviously his mistakes like, cost him his job. He's come to Dunfermline, says, and though it's a, Kind of big fish in a small pond, kind of idea. Obviously, out, out with a uh, say Falkirk, but you wouldn't say that Falkirk are the same the same uh, beast that was what they what they were. So he's um, he's he's come out and said, well, I make can uh, okay, I've I've uh, I make these mistakes and that's just and uh, I'm gonna learn from them and I think it's it's probably a good thing for them filming that. It's just that you you probably have a manager that's that's. Willing to admit that he he learns from these, and uh, I think that maybe he's he's learned from his time at Dundee as well. Can not to it says maybe not to almost fly too too close to the sun. Maybe no, it's just... I think uh, obviously you can be fan, but you've, you're closely associated with Dunfermline just because of the proximity that the town is to the city now. But when you look through the past kind of history of Dunfermline, where it's called the woods. Your um, Jim Leishman's, your uh, Stephen Kenny's, for example, like they were all managers who blamed somebody else apart from themselves, and I think that, like you said, as we said, quite a three point for this podcast is like you said, McPake's happy to take the flak, and I think that's something with as much as the younger generation gets derided, is mm. younger generation people are are allowed to say oh, now that. I made a mistake. I will learn from my mistake, and this is how I'm going to get better from it. Whereas, it's all with the previous generation. It's always somebody else's fault. Nah. And it's, uh, I can blame this, that, the other. And I think that you're right. I think Nick Peake is I'm not going to say the most honest coach in the league or this most honest honest coach in the SPFL, but I think he's the most fit on the ground. Nah. Like you're not going to get big highs or big lows with him. It's yeah. very much a through line of if you can see progress, which we have done with them, that we are moving towards the right direction, and you can only be happy with that. 
you've got Reimer as well. It's at McPeak. Um, this is his first time really seeing part-time teams on a, on a, on a consistent basis. So he's also we're going straight for Dundee, yeah, and and that was when the championship was a a professional league. So there wasn't, uh, I don't think there was any uh, same mm. professional teams. Maybe a broth, maybe that was it though. Maybe a broth, ah. Uh, so so you 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 you've got maybe a broth, but that's a uh, that's a Dick Campbell team. You got so that's a that's a completely different beast. That says so he's now you now seen a, a say a a Kelty under under uh, John Potter, and also they've not. Really taking the step that that people thought they were going to take. So you say, um, you're seeing a, a Montrose under under Stuart Petrie that are, are really well run. So this is him learning as well. He's 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 learning how to how to deal with this. And I know that Alan Johnson kind of hit the hit the ground running with with his Queen South team and then uh, then Dunfermline with just rolling over them. But uh, they had the the resources there at yeah. the time and they. Uh, I don't think I don't. There was a level of parity in the league as no, well. That no, no, it's, it's, it's certainly a it's, it's certainly a, a more level league than what it was. I'd, I'd say. Yeah, because you're not you're not playing a you're not playing a Shandra with Frank McEwen who works in the fire station yeah. most evenings. Um, you're you're not starting the league four one five one six one seven one to no. start the your campaign either. It's more airdrie. You're they're not quite hybrid, but they're uh, probably the biggest part time team that goes around outside of Arbroath in recent seasons at the moment. Um, like you said, your, your Kelly's who are uh, well backed, um, got a lot of extra training players in the division as well. But even then, like just just saying them, they're the eighth worst team in the division, a team that's got three full time divisions. That's not bad for Kelly from where they've gone in the last few seasons. Um, as much as Barry Ferguson was doing a job for them, um, I've seen Barry Ferguson manage Clyde and Lexington. He's not he's not a manager by any, any stretch of the imagination. So I think in terms of League One campaigns, this is. As hard a league one you can get for anything, never mind a full time team. So the fact that Dunfermline have only lost once in the league to Stuart Petrie, who has always been earmarked as a potential Dunfermline manager of the future, you can't complain. You, you can't complain. You can try and complain, but you, you can't complain with any sort of real notoriety because it's hard to win things in football, no matter what the level you are, what division you are, what your uh, spending capacity is. Winning things in football is extremely hard to do, no matter who you are. Now, I'm saying that, and it says now, it says, uh, going on from that, where where do you see Dunfermline next season then? Now, it says, so, obviously, we, we saw uh, Johnson's era, and, and, and I think a lot of Dunfermline fans, it says, including yourself, thought that that, that was it. It says you were, you were bouncing, came straight back up the Premiership, and it's not worked that way, out that way at all. It says, where do you see it under under McPates? Do you see it going um, kind of like like what Dundee done with that kind of um, team that shouldn't have really done it but got up there? Or do you see him maybe moulding a team that's more ready to 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 take that step up to to, to the Premiership? Um, there's only since the Premiership playoffs have been implemented uh, ten or so years ago now. There's only two teams that didn't make the playoffs as League One champion and that was the Green at Morton side when Dunfermline finished seventh and the season after Alan Johnson's Dunfermline. So every team, no matter their wage budget, their spending, etc., they always run into the they always run into the playoffs, whether that's finishing fourth, second or third. Livingston did back to back promotions and they've never looked back since. And you can't say they spend the pair of Livingston 
is any greater than that of Dovrelin. Um Dovrelin and Polkirk are the only two teams been that have been in the SPL that have not returned back since it got re, re, renamed to the Premiership. So you have to finish in the top four next season. By hook or by crook, you have to finish in the top four. We're seeing just now Air are on a good run in the Championship. Queen's Park are on a good run in the Championship. They obviously relegated Dunfermline last season. Dunfermline are of a size and of a fan base and of a monetary value that that brings into the club that they should be finishing in the top four next season. And they should have been finishing top four consistently in the last five seasons that they were in the Championship. But I think they only did so on one occasion. So Dunfermline have been let down as much as Falkirk have been let down in a sense that poor management and uh, poor ownership have let the club kind of stagnate and not aim to kick on and under Big Peak, if he's given the right back and I think he's worthy to finish in the top four next season if we get there. We have to finish we have to win the league first. But I think that's in very little doubt at the moment. See so so looking looking on to onto the rest of the season, obviously you said that, that Falkirk are the um, the main challengers They've not done overly well, Falkirk, yeah, under 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 McGlynn as is and I think it's probably a, a bit of a transitional period for them as well, given looking at um what's their they've uh, struggled under under the last couple of managers, uh, McGlynn's had to clear out a, a lot as well, like you know, so uh, where do you see where do you see that going? Do you, do you see Falkirk um Really challenging in the end, or is it a, a case of you seen out the uh, seen out the, the last uh, couple of fixtures and then uh, and then that's you. Well, luckily, corners are a brummer for success. So just because you have more corners in the match doesn't mean that you win games of football. As much as the Falkirk uh, chairman or the board would like to think so, um, and the thing that always kind of tickled me about that comment was the Freeman's goal was from a corner. Um, so that always confused me in the sense that you had more corners, didn't capitalise from them, and Dufferin still scored from a corner. I think Falkirk are in a precarious position at the moment where it's it's kind of screaming of Dufferin pre-administration, where it's get your 10-year season, season tickets, we need money now. It screams like a team that needs to get out of the championship, just get into the championship by any means necessary at the moment. And I think McGlynn's fully capable of that. Considering that Hamlin, they're all well and gone, and Cove under Hartley might slip into that if Dick Campbell doesn't reach a roof above the thing. If you're looking for my opinion, yes, Falkirk can challenge, but I, I think the damage has already been done. Um, considering they've probably got a three point gap in fixtures already between the two teams. Um, the friend only really struggle against actually the weaker teams in the division, funny enough, rather than the teams that are actually around them. Like Cuffed Alma 3 0, uh, comfortable against Air, no, sorry, Drew with Airdrie, but were comfortable in the match that they probably should have won the game. No, I've seen that like around but the Jeffrey's uh, era though as well. That's just the teams that have around them, they've done well with, but uh, so you see. I've, oh, can anything I've ever seen of them, I always just uh, mark upon, apart from the, the Johnson eras, how little they, they kind of are able to break down teams that just want to sit in. They do, they do, yeah. under, they do underdogs very well, but when they're favourites, it's very tough for them, mm-hmm. feeling. Um, but like I said, Drew with Clyde this season, Drew with Peter Head this season, both 2-2 two, two at home, considering the Imperial's defensive record, um, that, that was a surprise. To get those four other points, you'd already say they're out of sight, so do the... The feelings 
actual job the rest of the way is do your job against the bottom half win those games and then you don't even have to worry about the Falkirk games they're just an added bonus and hopefully we're undefeated in those games gives you the uh, psychological edge as rivals uh, just nullifying them but yeah just, just just as Bill Belichick says of the New, York, New England Patriots in the NFL just do your job do your job and you're, and you're, you're already at home I think in my opinion anyway so um if you're to if you're to, to say about going into the next couple of weeks, not so say how are you looking then? So say also you've had the um, you've had a bit of a build up of fixtures with with also the uh, the Challenge Cup being uh, delayed. That so say it's given you a, a couple of more weeks just to get players more ready yeah, for if we can from injury and that. So say you feel that use um user and a, and a can a point in time that you can really take hold of the league and take hold of the uh, of going on and and, and 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 everybody calls it a diddy cup, but you've never won it. No, so so do you feel that you should should be looking at, at winning that? Well, we said they've got Dundee next Tuesday potentially if that goes ahead. Then you've got Rafe Rovers at at home. But at that point, why not go? Why not go for it? Um, I think you're comfortable in the yeah. league. I think you've got it. Yeah, I think. Despite the fact that it's it's it is uh, the Challenge Cup, that's it's a if it's a derby, you have to go for it. Of course, it's of course. And I, I, my opinions on the Challenge Cup that it, it needs to be changed towards teams being in League One and below actually challenging for it because it gives them a greater emphasis of actually winning something like a Stenshmuir or Stranraer who have won in the past. But I'm saying it gives more your part-time teams are on at a cup twinge somewhere, so it shouldn't be for the likes of Dumfries and Dundee. St Johnston, Rafe Rovers, Etal, those teams who are full-time teams. I think it should be more of a part-time cup because it gives them something to look forward to. But while you're in the competition and you're at the stage of it, just go hell for hell for it because, like you said, it's a competition that Dumfries never won. Um, it gives McPake a better belief and a better boost in, in the in the situation that he's in at the moment. Like I said, giving them silverware, Dumfries, outside of a few leagues, titles, there's not much silverware to boast about, so that you have to you have to go for it. Partick Thistle on Saturday again just just have a crack at it you know what I mean this is the level that you want to be competing at That's teams right, in the Premiership playoffs give it your best goal they're away games nothing's necessarily expected of you otherwise than showing face if something comes from it then belief grows within the squad and the group that next season if you do get to the Championship that you can compete at that level without too many additions to the squad and you know Confidence and momentum—they're kind of, of obviously—they're nothing tangible, but you feel them within yourself. If you're confident in your job, then you feel much more happier. And if uh, that's the same for football, your touch is somehow better, your your instincts for goal are that much sharper. That can take you a long way, especially in Scottish football. I see that um, off the, off of that, uh, Susie, or say um, you've looked at. You, you you spoke about how playing against teams and that's just, but can you're talking about uh, one off games and we saw that came in the in the league one the Fairland side that's just when he's beat the likes of Dundee he's he's went up against Ross County and and um, we're unlucky and that's just all for a a Brian Graham by clothesline uh, Jason Talbot yeah. that's just uh, he, he, and he's done well says but. Um, do you think it's, it's, it's maybe one of these, uh, say, say, 
because Dunfermline I always find that it's just, and I've, I've seen that with with, with that it's just, you always seem to get a bit away from yourselves it's just that you beat, beat like the likes of Ross County Dundee and you think okay, we, we're going to be there and then when, when it comes to it it's just that okay, also under, under Johnson you had that great cup run you went up and then uh, against the teams that can use were beaten in, in cup competitions you are struggling again. Do you think uh, McPeak uh, falls into that same trap or No, I think I think like I've said before, um very few on the ground. I think Dunf- the, the issue with Dunfermline is probably the biggest small team of the last fifteen years since the relegation from the SBL. Well so sorry, I suppose ten or so years because obviously we've got beat up Pat Fenland's Hibs. And that's what contenders that's what contenders to you Shelburne uh, director of football now. <laughs> And that's what condemned us. Um, obviously, administration takes a hit to your football club. You've got to bounce back from that. Um, those excuses can't be made anymore. How well we almost went to the wall. Every every Scottish football team, in a sense, has almost went to the wall and recovered from it. Dunfermline need to see themselves as a big dog in the lower lower leagues, and it needs to have that mentality towards it rather than the kind of poor me. Uh, I think that's what's really missing in terms of mentality. So, Probably something that's happening with Falkirk. Yeah. They, they, they have a bit of a poor me. I think that, I think that's why we are kind of twins in that situation where mm-hmm. we are teams for the last 10 or so years have uh, totally underperformed the expectations of what these two two, two clubs are. Mm-hmm. And when you see teams like Motherwell um, always keep their head above board, uh, St Johnston who go out and win uh, a cup double and win another Scottish Cup in addition to that. There's nothing in Dunfermline's past um, to suggest why Dunfermline shouldn't be a St Johnston. Now, in a sense, it's a cup, it's cup luck of the draw. Um, St Johnston's number was up, and I do not begrudge on that slightly, but there's no reason why Dunfermline can't have the ambition of a St Johnston and, and look towards them as a, as a team who can achieve an unlikely cup double. You mean... I think that's a, a poison that lives in Scottish football whereas you see Celtic and just win everything. It's like that. While they, they should win everything because of the impeccable wage budget that they have and the, the men they can spend on fees, it's 11 men versus 11 men on the day. And sometimes, if you've not got the ability or the talent, we've seen Dunfermline take um, Celtic to 120 minutes before in um, recent seasons. On the day, you've got to have that belief that, okay, he's, he's going to be a better footballer than me, but he's going to work harder than me. And sometimes that's a very rudimental way to look at it, but sometimes that's just... That's all you need sometimes. Uh, and I, th- I think that's something that Scottish clubs in a whole need to feel. And what, what St just did was, we'll have, it, we'll have a crack at it, we'll have a crack at you. And listen, if we lose, we lose. But that's what, that, and at the end of the day, that's what's been happening for 150-odd years of Scottish football. But let's just have a go and try and win it. Try and win it on our terms, and if we lose, then at least we tried. We saw that it's just also uh, Saint Johnson being up now for for well over a decade. I think that's uh, just they they're a Lomas just, right. Um, Calum Davison. That's Davison. Uh, that's just, uh, I think it's over a decade now. Isn't it? Now McInnes was the, the first one. Yeah, I'm up by. So you see, can also. Uh, like it's been a bit low-rated that the like, Livingston have no fans, St. Johnson have no fans, and that. So you say, says, you feel that? Says, can you say maybe need to 
emulate these teams rather than rather than look at yourselves as the kind of the sleeping giant kind of idea. Yeah, because I think you you fall into that trap if you are perceived one thing, then you will slowly become it, whether uh, you like it or not. And like you said, sleeping giant is a term that nobody wants in football, like Feyenoord and um, Netherlands, for example, never win the the big one. Um, if you if you think you're a sleeping giant, you'll slowly fall into that trap, which a Falkirk have in recent seasons. Like you, you've got to see yourself as something that that can compete, and I think that's Livingston's kind of attitude. Is like Dave Martindale they basically does everything in the club, and um, of course it's a special period that they're going through just now. But you, I think you instill a mentality into a group of men when you've got them all together fighting for a common cause, and I think you have to it kind of be just false bravado, um, just talking big nonsense words like Peter Grant did it has to be like a make pick approach whereas these are the standards that we set at this football club if you don't reach them you won't play uh, if you reach them then you've got every possibility of playing in the top flight of Scottish football and I think th- the issue last season was a lot of this squad was capable of finishing in the Premiership playoffs but they weren't given the right coaching or nurturing or guidance to see them that way and you're seeing them themselves this season a lot of the same players playing with a freedom and uh, a real effervescence that's been missing for the last two years in Edinburgh. Get them back, Nick! Get them back! That's never ten years!